0: Welcome to the Oil & Gas Sales & Marketing Podcast, where every week your hosts Mark LaCour and Matt Bertrand share proven strategies and real-world tactics to help you connect with customers and close more deals.
1: Let's do this. Welcome back everybody. It's Matt and I once again recording in person. In this episode, we're going to talk about how do you hit the ground running in 2020? Yeah! <laughs> okay, I'm apologizing ahead of time. We bought a new piece of gear. Actually, a big shout out to Zoom. They're actually loaned us this. It's a Zoom P4, which is a digital recorder made for podcasting, And it has sound effects. And Matt is like an eight-year-old little boy playing with the sound effects.
0: Thank you, Zoom.
1: Okay, sound effects aside, hitting the ground running. All right, so first thing is, if you have not developed a plan for your sales for 2024, you're too late. You should have developed it that last quarter. At the very end of the year, when it's hard to drive new sales, hard to make new relationships, you should have spent the time planning. However, if you didn't, we're here to help you. So I know everybody's ready,
0: right? Everybody's ready for the beginning of the year right now. Well, the top 1% is for sure. But if you're not ready, you need to get ready because I would even tell you if you're here in Houston, like this freeze this week, next week it's like all, well, there's all a budget going on in right? oil and
1: gas, right? So new budgets have been released. Most companies' fiscal year runs along the calendar year. That money actually doesn't usually hit the bank account till February, which is just a couple of weeks away. In fact, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be just maybe a week away. You need to get ahead of all of that couple of things from a sales point of view. If your territory is managing the existing accounts, you need to put together a list of all your existing accounts and the contacts in that account, and I want you to go in your CRM and look at when's the last time you had any contact with them, and I want you to turn that list on its head, flip it around. So the contacts that you have not reached out to lately are the first people you need to reach out to, the contacts that you reached out to just a month ago are the last people. You need to reach out and simply say, I'm here, I'm here to help. I wanna make sure that if you need anything, you're aware that we're here. You need to warm those relationships up. If your salesperson and your job is to bring in new accounts, you need to have a prospect list of people that can buy from you that are currently using either a similar product or have a problem that you solve. And on that list of prospects, you need to have a dream client. So I'll be very honest with you, Matt. My dream client with OGGN is Apple. I want to close a deal with Apple. Now, will I do that? Probably not. Does it keep me from trying No, I have actually had sales conversations with Apple. I've actually talked to real people about working with OGGN.
0: I would tell you that if you help them push their AI app store that they're about to develop, <laughs> it, there might be a end.
1: Well, I love you, Apple. I really do. However, Matt, from a marketing point of view, they yeah, want to be associated with oil and gas in their name. At some point, I hope that to change. And when it does change, I'm going to be right there with existing relationships already with Apple to go Now it's time for us to work together. That's my dream client.
0: Well, here's what I look at now from a marketing perspective. If you have that list, you have your CRM ready to go, hopefully you have some tags. Hopefully you built the CRM properly where you have some tags where you can put them on a re-engagement drip email. If they're not already on it. Also, there's like fantastic tools. Like if you know that someone's somewhere in the sales cycle, I use some software that I can drop ship basically cards like, Hey, welcome to the new year. Hey, happy birthday. Hey, whatever. Where they're all in a database. I just hit a button, send it. It's like a dollar. Like, or 50 cents or something like that, where I can reach those people and create those touch points. Right now, yes, it's about warming up the list. It's about figuring out those pieces of content you want to push to your audience, putting dollars behind it, doing the email, drip emails and automation. I call it like infinity drips, <laughs> but different trips you can reach people. And then even crossing the border, because a lot of people are working from home. If you have any kind of address, like sending a physical thing to people is so powerful Huge. today.
1: I did not realize, Matt. So we launched a merch store, by the way, people. If you want a shirt with Matt and I's podcast on your chest, you just go to OGN.com, hit merch. I want your face.
0: <laughs> I want a big one with your face. Well, so the funny
1: <laughs> thing is when I look at all the shirts that have been sold with the podcaster's <laughs> face on it, there's only one that's been sold over and again. That's Paige Wilson. So more people are running around with her face that, on the I, chest I, that
0: than is true. anybody that is else's.
1: True. But to your point, one of the things I learned about our merch store is that I can send our merch to our prospects and they love it. To your point, yeah. something physical is different, which is my next tip. Look at what your competitors are doing and do something different. If your competitors from a sales point of view are setting up preliminary calls via web, get in your car and go meet your clients at their office, right? If your competitors are meeting their clients in the office, then you set up some type of automation to make sure that your group is constantly updated and informed. You can create a newsletter just for your prospects or just for your existing clients. It's a wonderful tool to stay in front of them on a regular basis so they remember you
0: and how do you know what your competitors are doing well they post it on social media there's digital intelligence right
1: you should know your competitors business as good as they do if not better and if you do they're no longer competitors the other thing from a sales point of view, make sure you have budget to get stuff done. It's a new year. There's a bunch of conferences, trade shows, a lot of which will be a waste of your money. Don't waste money at a lot of them, but a lot of them will be valuable if your clients are going to be there.
0: Set up the meetings ahead of time. Yep. You That's, have, have a conference strategy, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Set up meetings ahead of time. Look at doing small social gatherings adjacent to the conference. Yes. So maybe you don't go to OTC and spend a million dollars on a booth. However, maybe you set up a cocktail event at a hotel while everybody's here for OTC.
0: The conference is a, an excuse to get in-person meetings. Yep. And if you set that up, I mean, conferences are so valuable, but not just going and attending. Like you already know the conference is going to be successful prior to that. And then what you can do to just kind of cover the conference. And even when I can't go to conferences, but there's a conference I want our presence at, sometimes you can utilize Their Twitter handle and get visibility there for people that are engaged. You can geofence the location. You can even use like Facebook and Twitter. Anybody that mentions these words or in this geographic area that has like this demographic, you can run those ads. So you can do that to get that support. I think the people, unless you're, well, have a podcast booth and everybody's coming to you all the time at the conference, sometimes you're anchored to that table. Like sometimes it's better to walk that floor, but really, any conference I've been to, it's the meetings I made outside or a meeting up with somebody that I hadn't met before and I want to make that like face-to-face connection. There is so much pre-work that goes into conferences to make them successful.
1: From a sales point of view, the next thing you should do this early in year to make sure this year's successful get out of your cube, go walk over to the marketing department, make yes. friends, buddy up. This is the whole reason Matt and yeah. I do this podcast yeah. is that we think marketing sales should be joined to the hit. We don't think we know it should be. If you haven't done that yet, this is the time to do it. And especially if you're a salesperson that's bringing in the bucks for the company, you have a little bit of leverage internally, a little political leverage, go talk to head of marketing and go, I'd like to bring your marketing person with me on a sales call. Now you're going to get a little bit of pushback, because the head of marketing is going to go, well, then she's not doing her job. The truth is, she is doing her job because she's learning what the clients are saying because she's with you on a sales call. Super, super important. Matt's got his finger on the
0: sound. Well, of <laughs> I, I just want to acknowledge what, what Mark said. <laughs> cheers, cheers. Great point, Mark. And also, I do have the tip or fail of the week. It came to me as you okay, were we'll talking. And really, you just hit it sales and marketing need to be working together. Your marketing team is desperate. Now, I mean, I'm not going to say that, but they want to work with you. Well, no,
1: sometimes they are desperate. They could be. They could be. If you're in an organization, especially a big organization, and your number one complaint about marketing is the quality of their leads, that is your fault, not their fault. Marketing is doing the work, but they have to have the direction from you and the input from your clients. And if you let your marketing person just listen in on sales call, they'll gather that information and the quality of the leads they're feeding you will go up exponentially, I promise.
0: You want to take them with you. You want them to be your friend. You want them to understand the stories and they're going to shine a spotlight on you with the rest of the organization. And they're going to use you as kind of a content creator for them because marketing is only as good as what they understand and what they have access to. And then you got legal issues if you're a bigger company to get stuff pushed through. But well, that's why the CRO position, right, was created to bring these two together. And it's so funny because you know, I've talked to a number of like sales managers that don't think marketing works or don't think the leads are good. Going back to what I said in the last podcast, it's a mirror. Okay, You're putting bait in the water. And if you're not getting the right kind of fish, there's a reason for that. Maybe you're not going deep enough. You're just getting spam. Maybe you don't have enough hooks in there. But I can tell you that every person that I've ever interacted with, in some form or fashion, is on social media, on the internet somewhere. And if you get them at the right time and you show them the right information, they will take action and raise their hand.
1: A hundred percent. Which brings me to my next point. This is always funny to me because Matt and literally I don't rehearse any of this. So my next point is, if you're not utilizing social media as a salesperson, this is your year to do it. Pick up your phone, shoot some video, go ahead, push publish. I know it's scary. You've never done it before, but look at all of your peers. We'll take LinkedIn, for example. I don't care what piece of the oil and gas industry you're selling into, upstream, midstream, downstream service companies. I guarantee you, you have competitors that are on LinkedIn posting videos that's showing them as a thought leader. Guess what happens if you don't do it? You're going to disappear. And there's literally no excuse. I know it's scary. You have to do it.
0: I'm going to balance that statement by saying, Don't think that social media has to consume you. Okay. There are pieces of content that you need to create and that you can outline and that you can create. But guess what? You can take that one piece of content and you can, all right, I'm going to put a dollar a day towards having this reach more people. I sat with a realtor over the holidays that had 400 Instagram videos on her phone. Okay. And I said, some of these are evergreen, which you could reuse. Why don't you post them on YouTube and then do SEO on YouTube where other people can find these? If you're targeting like out of state, for example, like her mind was like blown, you know, I didn't really look at it. as was like a friend, but I was like, she is grinding, creating all these videos and she's working, I think way harder than you have to. Again, if you develop that strategy and you lay out what you're trying to do, You definitely do want to turn over content and you can see even in like Facebook ads and stuff like that, you got to freshen it up. You don't have to be producing content every day, but you do need to take the step and cross the threshold to become a content creator. Cause here's one data point for you. And I said last podcast, you need like one data point. Okay. I think it's 95% or 96, something crazy. I don't know the exact number of people on content consumers only five percent are content. Yeah, that's creating. LinkedIn. That's yeah, the numbers yeah. on
1: LinkedIn. Only five percent are actually creating content. Is that
0: not insane?
1: Yes. And sales. If for some reason, you don't want to do video. There's other formats you can use. You can actually write it. It could be a print. You can actually record audio like a podcast. You have to start creating a content, educating your buyers or your future buyers, and the problems you can help them solve. It is not an option in 2024. You have to be there. Now, here's my next thing for sales professionals. What have you done to develop yourself and your sales skills? I just mentioned how you have to be online. You have to be producing content to show off your thought leadership. If you're scared of doing that, there's hundreds of courses out there. There's books. There's videos. What have you done to up your sales game? When's the last time you read a modern sales book? Sales techniques. Sales techniques have changed over the years because the way people buy have changed. Some of the old sales books, some of the classics still have a lot of value in them, but things have changed. Look at some of the more modern authors that are online. They're talking about sales effectiveness, sales implementation. Go to seminars, take courses. If you don't invest into yourself as a professional salesperson, once again, you get left behind.
0: I really want to do this joke one, so but I can't quite get there with this. But like the whatever Gary, the always be selling like the car that I'm sure it boiler room kind of like ringing the phone still works. And there's businesses that use that. That's not what we're talking about here. And oil and gas, just like a number of other industries, are still operating 30 years behind all this technological advancement. I don't advancement?
1: know if other industries. I think it's just ours. <laughs> well, we're the last to go, right? yeah. <laughs> So, But you know, that's brought up another good point. And do you have a prospecting strategy, right? Yes. That prospecting strategy should not be calling people you don't know on the telephone. Honestly, that worked really great in the 80s. I was in the middle of that. I had a whole team of inside salespeople that did nothing but dial for dollars. And in today's world, it's the process I know still works. But back when it was very effective, there was no caller ID, there was no voicemail, there was no email. The only business communication tool was a telephone, and people answered it. And if you were good on the telephone and you could capture their attention quickly, they would engage with the conversation. Now, we had Michael Perdon on last year, who still is a big champion of actually dollar for dollars or cold calling. But even he will be the first one to say that you do your research up front, whereas in old days, you just had a list that you went down.
0: I think we talked about direct mail earlier and I think picking up the phone's different because people don't do it. But I would tell you what those pre-call appointment schedulers, which does still work, have been replaced with is people out there warming up prospects on social media as the company or whatever, following certain people, making comments, posting appropriate things in groups, getting that brand out there, warming people up to it. Because one of the things that I think a lot of people don't see with marketing and sales is I'm not going to do it. There's another statistic on how many times you have to actually touch a prospect to close them on the sales side.
1: It's around eight times.
0: Yeah. And people stop after three. Yep. Okay. Like, you know, this data and you don't take advantage of it on marketing. You have to touch people so many times to get them to one, they have an issue two. Are you the one to solve that issue if you've even like identified that issue? And then like also, do I want to work with this person? Because there's a barrier there of like, I don't know this company. I don't know who I want to talk to. Maybe this is a delicate situation for my company, whatever. But guess what? If there is a personality or on social media, they look you up and they've seen your stuff and they're familiar with you, there's so much higher chance they're going to engage
1: you. Yep, 100%. So the next thing to be successful this year in my book is Matt and I just talked about a whole bunch of things. Put it in your calendar. If you don't put it in your calendar, like most people, it won't happen. (laughs) If you look at my calendar, everything goes in my calendar. Literally, when I work out, when I cold call, so I have Wednesdays blocked out to cold call because I love it. People think I'm crazy. Take everything we just talked about, figure out how to work it in your life and put it in your calendar. The other thing is, and this comes straight from old Stephen Covey in Habit of Sharpening the Saw. Take care of yourself as a sales professional. Oh my gosh. It's the beginning of the new year. You just came out of the holidays. You probably put on a few pounds. Self-care. Self-care. Clean up your diet a little bit. Make sure you get enough sleep. Watch the alcohol consumption. Try to get to a gym or whatever makes you happy from a physical activity point of view.
0: Mark, that is what I think we should talk about next is mindset. If we haven't already covered that because it's the beginning of the year, I believe you can't sell anything if you're in a bad space, period. Like, I think the full stop, like that's the most important thing before all of this is mindset. And we're at the beginning of the year, so we need to cover that soon.
1: So I just put it in the show notes for our next episode. Our next episode, we will talk about mindset because I agree with you 100%. All right. Next thing from a sales point of view to have a killer 2024, make sure you have a stretch goal, especially if you work for a medium to large company. Go talk to whoever handles your compensation and go, hey, normally I get whatever, 15% commission, or I'm bonused out on hitting certain metrics and everything. I want a stretch goal. What if instead of hitting my goal, what if I do 150% of my goal? I want a multiplier in there. Give yourself an incentive for this year, financial incentive. Because look, salespeople, we know what motivates you. One of the things that motivates you is the money that you make, your W-2s. Give yourself a financial incentive to knock it out of the park.
0: One of the ladies that we interviewed previously, I did a deep dive with her on her like tool. And I don't want to dissuade you on the money thing because money's always helpful, but that's not the biggest motivator. It's so crazy. There's so many different factors. No, no I agree. Right? Not
1: everybody's motivated by money, but I would think most successful salespeople. One of the things that do motivate them is money. And the whole reason I throw this in there is to give yourself a stretch goal, a prize. So regardless, and if you're not motivated by money, if you're motivated, figure by, out what it is. Yeah, figure, figure out, what it, out is. what
0: it is and grow in that direction. Yeah,
1: if you want to take an extra week off and go to the Bahamas, talk yes, to your management. Yes, Say, look, if I do 150 of my number, I'm going to take a week off and go to the Bahamas. Are you cool with that? That, that internal cool. motivation of having that stretch goal in front of you will drive behavior like you have no idea.
0: So I would tell you, even involved in like the self-development and stretch goal, what I would add there from the marketing side is there's been a lot of conversations and talks and people like that's one of the most interested topics when I do stuff on my other podcasts is about AI. Learn to use AI, learn how to leverage it, learn how to make it more efficient because AI is not going to replace you in the next 18 months. But people using AI will.
1: Yep. (laughs) All right. We use a tool called Claude AI, which is fantastic if you need to... The thing I love about you can upload documents to it so I can upload a PDF that's very technical and I can ask Claude, can you break this down for an eighth grader, which is like my reading level? Okay. Another thing to make sure that you just kill it this year in sales is get out of your comfort zone. If you normally deal with engineers from a sales point of view, if you normally deal with accounts, payable people from a sales point of view, go to your same client companies and just make friends and introduce yourself to different business units that you don't normally sell to. I've seen this over and over and over again where you think your buyer is, let's say, engineers, come to find out there's actually people in health, safety, and environmental, hs that also have an interest in what you do, but you won't know that unless you get out there. So expand your reach and salespeople. How many times in your career have you had this killer account, this killer deal, and all of a sudden it goes dark because you're one contact left? Oh my gosh, right? having that champion. Yeah. Yep. the way to prevent that is to go wide into your existing accounts, and most salespeople don't. Myself included, it took me a long time to learn this, most salespeople go into an account, you have the person that's going to buy from you, that's where you spend all your energy and time, and then you close the deals and you move on to the next one. However, long-term-wise, if you lose that one relationship, you're hosed. So go, make a goal that you're going to go deeper and wider in your accounts this year. It's going to help you not only sell to more people in the same company, but if something happens, you have other connections so you can continue the process.
0: Mark, I lost one of my biggest accounts in like the last 18 months that I've had for so many years and it was because that one reason the top person left and then somebody else came in and we kind of onboarded that person then that person I don't know why all of a sudden quit and then someone else came in and had their whole team and I was like I'll fly up to Seattle like whatever nope they're like I got my own people like bye-bye and I got the 30 day or whatever the contract notice and it happens and I should have over those years and let's defend like not traveling during COVID or whatever. But I had one very, very, very strong connection and I didn't build out the network. And this is what happened.
1: Yeah, I got two more tips and then I'm done. So the next thing is, and you've heard me say this on this show for years, that you should know your competition better than they know themselves and then they're not competition. However, I know most salespeople don't spend the time to learn their competition because you're busy and I'm telling you it's a mistake. So make it a goal this year, put time in your calendar to learn your competition. Go to their lunch and learns. If you need to, go to their lunch and learn. Make a fake lunch. email address so they don't know that you're a competitor, <laughs> oh <my> right? Gosh. <laughs> Study their literature on their website. Talk to their clients. If you're in a competitive situation and your client or your prospect is buying from your competitor, take that prospect out to lunch and ask them why. Don't try to change their mind because you're not, and that's not the right situation. Do it. What you're doing is gathering intelligence. Yeah. Learn your competitors. I cannot reinforce this enough. If you learn your competitors, they're no longer competitors.
0: You know how to sell against them and you know where there might be weak points with what's going on. And usually getting that lay of the land just kind of helps you approximate what you should be doing if you're serious. And about your,
1: in a competitive situation, your competitors may have some clients that you don't want to take. It may be the margins are so low that your business strategy from a blocking tackling point of view is to make sure your competitors only have the low margin deals and you take the less number of deals that are higher margin. Let me tell you what happens after a while. Your competitor goes bankrupt if they continue to go after low margin deals. It doesn't mean you have to try to take business away way, but you would never know if they're doing low margin deals unless you learn your competition.
0: How about just go to lunch with your competitor and sit down because you never know. That's not necessarily adversarial, like meeting other people in the industry. I've had some of the most productive meetings sitting down with quote unquote, people that would consider them competitors and great things have always come out of it.
1: I used to do that when I was at Forrester Research. I would intentionally reach out to my competitors and engage them and try to take them to lunch. I will tell you this much. Most of them won't because they're scared, but to your point, Matt, the one or two that did are now lifelong friends of mine to this day. Even though we were competitors, we had so much in common. Think about it. We had the same clients. We're selling the same product. We use a lot of the same techniques. So of course we became buds. Now, this didn't make us do anything unethical. We still competed, and then when they changed companies or I changed companies, have this lifelong sales pro that knows what mine. you
0: went through. Like yeah. it's just like the yeah. military, right?
1: All right. So my last thing is put time in your calendar to learn. I have eight hours a month that is in my calendar that is sacred. I never override it, and all it's there for is to learn. Now, don't use this as an excuse to go to cocktail events and saying that you're learning. Not that you can't learn from a cocktail event, right?
0: You should have time to go interact with people. Yeah. That should be on your calendar too.
1: But go learn, do research on trends, do research on what's changing, what's new in marketing, do research on different sales enablement tools, different technologies. Go ask your marketing peers, hey, what tech stack are y'all using and learn it. You don't have to learn as good as they do, but I tell you what, like Matt talks, you learn how to implement a drip campaign on your own. Well, guess what? Guess how much more powerful you are than other salespeople that depend on somebody else to do that for them.
0: Build the skill sets yeah. that you need. I mean, I'll tell you, Mark, I have read so many books. I used to read like a book a week before I had kids and got married and all that. But I can tell you all my books, and it's funny, I was looking for a particular thing what's value-based selling or how to build a team or whatever it is titles are super important that's what's important to google but essentially i would find books and then i would get like two or three of them that were all on that topic and then i would read them i would highlight them i would figure it out and then i would acquire that skill that i needed and then i would try to go implement it and learn from that and now you have youtube and certainly like the forbes articles and whatnot like they're not very valuable like you want the deeper stuff sorry forbes I don't like Forbes. I don't write for them anymore. They rejected a lot of my content saying it was like too long and it was too complicated. So I'm not a huge fan. I used to be a content creator for them, but essentially figure out again, mindset. I almost think that you need to figure out where you want to go and what are the skills that you need to have to get there and then picture that in your mind. And we'll go into this more, but to get to that point you're going to need to acquire skills that you don't currently have. And that's how you're going to grow and get better and to become that person you want to be. Again, I think it's super important.
1: Yeah, so we'll get into mindset in our next episode, which I'm actually looking forward to. I think it's about time to wrap this thing up. You know the drill, two links for our two newsletter in the show notes, the links for Matt and I's social profile, all our profiles are in there. Soon I'll be adding TikTok to that. Our insiders group, we're frantically working on that. It is going to be the schnizzle. We're not frantically working on that. (laughs) We're almost done. But it is going to be be the community for sales and marketing people in the oil and gas industry. Really looking forward to that. All right, now it's time for our LinkedIn fail or tip of the week. Do it back. Uh, yeah,
0: okay. So you were talking about conferences and something that we just did earlier here at the Canon, pull out LinkedIn, you click on your network, I think it is, and then it opens up an option which you can scroll with your hand where it creates a QR code. And I don't know if we've used this in the past, but certainly right now, like everybody's not using business cards as much as they were before, but your business card needs to have a QR code code on it. But man, that LinkedIn thing to connect with people, I use LinkedIn as literally my instant messenger, whatever, or Slack or whatever you want to call it for anybody that's not at my company. And I always have like LinkedIn pulled up, and that builds that bridge and that connection. And so you need to be connected with them on LinkedIn. So that's a great place. And then it tracks who you connected with last like in your network, so you can find them again, so if you go to a conference. But I think understanding how to use that, because most people don't, and I just open it up, and I say, use your phone, grab it. If you have the LinkedIn app, it opens it up, blah, blah, blah. But that is a great, great business card if you're not it using really
1: it. It really is. And so what Matt is basically telling you is that you can open up a QR code inside of LinkedIn that other people can put their phone's camera on and it automatically transfers their contact information it is a great tool linkedin is a great tool as much as we make fun of the out- algorithm, <laughs> okay sorry i'm gonna take that away from actually this is probably the point to get out of here <laughs> yeah. all right remember folks make a difference and not a sale Ta-da.
0: check us out next week for another enriching and cheeky episode of oil and gas sales and marketing podcast a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at
1: OGGN.com.